This is a Fubar Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to fubarradio.com. Fubar Radio and UN Women UK present a live 24-hour radio show. 24 hours. Coming up on the FUBAR Radio and UN Women UK 24-hour radio show. Lucy Spraggan. On the phone line right now, we've got singer-songwriter Lucy Spraggan. Do you know who I love musically and lyrically? I've just heard vibes on Adele Ray at the moment. Well, oh. I've loved her for years. Wow. And I just love how she is so... She's like an openly, just weirdly sexual... Mm. She just says what she wants to say. She's one of those women in the music industry that you know she just does what she wants. And that, for me, is, is, a, is a huge inspiration because you don't see that many women doing that. Lucy Spraggan, FUBAR Radio. Yeah, welcome back. This is FUBAR Radio. I'm Rachel Downey, and I've got some new guests in the studio. I'm very, very excited. We've got Callum Swigan and Rolly. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So Hi. lovely to see you both. It really, really is. So smiley. It's so good. You're so fresh-faced. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you say fresh-faced. <laughs> it's, it's an old bit of a lie. It is. It's all cover-up. It's all cover-up. <laughs> it's, it's all cover-up. Cover um, thank you for joining me. <laughs> thank you for having us. Yes. It's, it's 4 a.m. slot. It's a, it's a fun time to be here. That you requested. I, yeah, I specifically, I, I thought I was going to go out, have a few drinks with some friends, you know. Yeah, and then like rock up here, a little bit half-cut, yeah. having a great time. Yeah. It's not how things bit planned nice. out. No, no. Not <laughs> sure. And is it weird being that side, the desk, obviously you have your own show here. I do. It, it, it is really weird. When I first came in, I almost went to go and sit in your seat and I was like, no, <laughs> no, you're not in charge today, no, Callum. No, but you're more than welcome to, but you can stay till 5pm. You're like, no, Rach. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all right, honestly. You, I'm all you good, do that. Babe. <laughs> yeah, I'm all good. And Rolly, it's lovely to have you here as Hi, well. Hi, yes. It's nice to be back. It's been a while since I've been here, so... See, it's great. I'm in safe, safe hands at 4am in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Do you love how we're all here at 4am, right? Yeah. It's mean, a story to tell people. It like, is I never a good story. Radio at 4am, but you know. Yeah, it's a great story. Um, we're going to go straight, actually, to the phone lines. Um, on the phone right now, we've got fashion designer, Australian-based fashion designer, Weave. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm so very well. <laughs> are you? I'm thinking of you as I watch the sun come out over the water in the forest uh, where I'm sitting. Uh, Wish I could say the really same. Okay? <laughs> I know. Uh, bless you for doing this. It's an amazing thing. And, and um, yeah, congratulations on everything. Thank you. That's very, very... I like how people are congratulating me. It's like, let, let's see if I can get there. Yeah. <laughs> like, the finishing line. Um, but we thank you for joining us. You are a, uh, you're a fashion designer, a label owner, an entrepreneur. You're based in Australia. You work in film and exhibits at International Fashion Weeks and more. Um, let's start at the beginning for you. Um, have you always wanted to be a fashion designer? How did you get into fashion? It's, yes, it's funny, actually. I grew up in a beautiful... Um, horse breeding stud in the country and always affiliated with like racing and seeing you know mom and dad off to beautiful parties wearing you know gorgeous outfits Mm. and 
We had this gorgeous little um, old lady that sat in this weaving place down in the in the country town, and I was just so fascinated with her life. And she used to travel around the world in a combi and go to different countries and buy one, and then come back with her beautiful weavings. And I'd be so fascinated by what she was making. So I don't know. I just became really, um, you know, aware of the rest of the world and through through this this weaving and ability to use nature to create clothing and art. So it just sort of stuck with me and I, I decided that that's what I was going to do and I never wavered. Yeah, that's amazing as well. I think um, I've got um, Callum Swiggin and Rolly in the studio as well. Um, to not waver, it's so difficult, isn't it, being in the creative industry to not think, oh, is it worth the risk? Is it to stay very focused? Has it been easy to stay that focused? It, it was just never an issue. I just mm. wasn't interested in doing anything else. And being such a strong woman, I just didn't think that I needed to do anything else. Like, I just knew one foot in front of the other and it would happen for me. And I just didn't mind suffering for my art. And, you know, then, of course, I made it even harder for myself by having a child um, very young and decided, you know, it didn't work out with my partner. So I did that as well as being a single mother. Mm. So, you know, a bit of a double, double whammy, but, you know, it was it's just so worth it because um, slowly but surely it all comes to fruition and you can mm. look back on all those hard times and, and just realize how much strength you have and be so enabled to say that and not be embarrassed about anything. It's just like, no, I'm a strong, empowered woman and this is what I've done. And and to be proud of that is a really great place to get to, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, as a single, as a female, a single uh, mum in the industry, what prejudices did you come across? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, it's often about what you look like. I mean, where do you begin in this industry? My gosh. Um, Going to meetings and, you know, being, even though I've been independent the whole time, I did obviously have to go and get jobs and whether it be making uniforms for particular companies or sometimes um, alcohol companies or, you know, different things. And you go and sit in a boardroom with men and, you know, if you didn't feel um, beautiful and strong and empowered and dress your best, sometimes you're just not taken seriously and the stronger you look and the more powerful you look then obviously they'll take you seriously and what you have to say and often I felt like I had to put my lipstick on to do that and I had to put my heels on to do that and yeah it's just really interesting that still in this day and age like you still need to do that sort of thing Mm. Um, when you're in an an environment like that which can be marketing or um, you know just those sort of fashion-y kind of industries that feel that what you look like is still um, makes you stronger. I, I don't understand it, but it still happens. Yeah, mm. it is true. You need to sometimes go through those battles, I suppose, to and to appreciate what you've got right now, but um, just to make you tougher and more hard, right? hard nosed, I guess, in this industry. Because especially. now I don't give a fuck what I look like when I walk in. You're going to take me for for who I am and what I've got to say and my abilities and. You know, that, that's just such a wonderful place to get. But when you're younger, I don't know, you kind of admit a little bit. Yeah, it is. It's, it's the, the wisdom of, of growing up to, to mm. get you to that point. 
isn't it? But, you know, marketing, I think all of that sort of thing within this sort of industry is is the biggest battle anyway. And I just had a very interesting experience the other day. Um, I create a lot of my own imagery. I love creating beautiful images for my labels and mm. using strong, gorgeous women. And I don't mind if they look sexy in it. I don't mind if the buttons are low. Like, if she's a strong, empowered woman, I don't think you should shy away from, you know, feeling sexy and looking mm. sexy within that I don't think that's degrading, but I went and picked up my car from the um, the service place the other day, and, and I sat down, and I paid the bill, and I got up, and I opened the door, and, and right on the door was this huge image of this woman. It was very pornographic with her, you know, completely naked, legs spread, and I'm just standing there in this workshop with this older man just looking at him and going, really? Yeah. Like, really? Is that still here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's such a fine line, isn't it, to create beautiful imagery of women and feel sexy, but then, you know, portraying them in such a, in a, a degrading way. Exploitive and I way, think yeah. Exactly. So that's the balance that, that we're trying to get to at the moment is finding the strength in being a woman and your sexuality without it being um, degrading. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of where I stand on that. And I suppose at this time, you know, the last, I don't know what, six months with the Time's Up um, campaign, do you feel a change? Do you feel there is more conversation about what women are going through and equality? Do you feel a change? Oh, there's no doubt. I've got a 21-year-old daughter and watching them talk about, you know, their empowerment and, you know, that's real now. We're watching these girls that have been raised by these strong women and, you know, it's a beautiful thing to... Um, watch, you know, 20 of them sitting around and that just being absolutely poignant in their life. And, you know, I don't know if I grew up doing that in the same respect. So, yes, I absolutely believe that the the conversations are open, women are stronger, and we're a lot more open and a lot more vocal about it. I mean, look at this, what you guys are doing. This is this is an international forum. And yeah. you've, you've brought people in from all over, um, you know, it's all over from the world and also different demographics and whatever it might be. It's, it's really crossing borders. Yeah. So I 100% agree on that. Uh, you, you, you were just saying um, a moment ago about kind of like um, making women feel empowered and showing them as being sexy and strong. And do you think because you are a, a female yourself and because you, you do own your own label and you are kind of in that position that you're able to kind of give women that platform and almost like take it back from men because I feel like a lot of the time men kind of see women as objects which is a terrible thing and when they're putting women out there and they're over sexualizing them and I think it's it's quite it is quite a statement for you to kind of take that back and say no we are going to make women sexy and we are going to put women out there but we're going to do that in a in a way that's women first and it, and it puts the woman at, at the heart of it right Look, I was a huge fan of a woman called Josephine Baker and back in the 50s when she was the first one on stage wearing banana skin and, you know, shaking her booty on stage for gentlemen to watch. She was, um, you know, I, do you know who she is? I'm I, sure you do. I she don't. Was, I don't no. I've not heard of her. Oh, look her up. She's amazing. <laughs> look her up. No, please, afterwards, because she was one of the first women that did this and um, as a sexy dancer and... 
you know, empowered woman standing up there. And, you know, obviously over time men kind of just realized that all they wanted from her was sex and it just destroyed her because that wasn't who she was. She just mm. purely believed in, in what she was doing. Mm. So, um, you know, I sort of feel like that with music and fashion and all of these things that kind of intertwine where men have been quite dominant and seen women as those objects, like you're saying. Um, look, that's an interesting thing to say, do I feel I'm, I'm taking that back? I, it was just never really an issue to have to take it back because I feel like um, there have been women throughout the ages that have been very strong in that sense. Mm. Um, it's beautiful to see now that it's become more mainstream that we are able to do this. It's not different anymore. So that's what's beautiful about it. We're actually all gathered together and we're doing it and united together doing it. So I hope men still do it. Like, you know, I, th- you know there's a fine line again. A photographer um, in America called Terry Richardson, who was, yeah. you know, claiming to be this fashion photographer and whatever, but it was porn, yeah. you know, mm. and and watching, you know, that fine line again. It's like you're trying to objectify these women, doing it for your own benefit, but then am I doing a similar thing? So I question myself all the time, and what is it that we're trying to say here? Is is the sexuality within your dignity? Is that's that's the point that I'm trying to make. That's a brilliant point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It makes it so worthwhile. Um, if there are um, young females listening and maybe daunted um, about coming into the industry, what advice would you give them? Just don't even falter. Just keep going and be willing to suffer. You know, if you're coming into the fashion industry, there's no glitz and glamour it's you know factories and trucks and is that what you mean hard work and so is that what you mean by uh, be willing to suffer like do you mean like by absolutely graft and hustle right yeah Mm. get dirty and and get amongst it and and yeah yeah, just not be afraid because there are so many bullies and i'm talking women as well not just men there's a lot of you know bully women in these industries so um yeah just keep going forward and and um, maintain your dignity throughout all of it. Yeah. That's probably the most important point. Yeah. Yeah. So. Remain your dignity. Thank you, Weave, so, so much uh, for talking to us. I was going to say this oh, morning. Oh, you're so welcome. What time is it uh, where you are? It is now a beautiful 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, God. We are so <laughs> happy for you. Uh, Could it be happier? Yeah, the time of the day, all the water starts to glisten like glitter, and it's, it's such a special time to, you know, be talking to you as well. So, oh, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I'm glad it's all glittery and sunny and daytime. Uh, we thank you so, so much for talking to us. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Weave. Oh, thanks for having me. Bye. Take care, Weave. Bye. I get bitter. I don't know about you guys. We're <laughs> no, people. I just, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're all bitter. Bitter, bitter. Um, if you guys want to donate, and that's obviously uh, the, one of the main reasons we're here, to raise awareness and to get some money, um, all for the He For She campaign text, UNWN15, followed by the amount you want to donate to 770. Um, remember, if I have said too much, I probably have, have a look at the website, londonartsweek.org. Org. All money donated is going towards changing the reality for women and girls globally. I feel it's time for a little ah, uh, for a little song. I'm going to play. Uh, you are simply the best by Tina Turner. Enjoy.
Yes, indeed, we are simply the best. Although the conversation we have just been having about age, basically, has made us doubt that. Uh, welcome to the show. We are here at Fubar Radio. This is our 24-hour live marathon. Um, I'm here till 5pm. We've got Callum Swig and Rowley here till what? F- uh, for five, a bit. 6am. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I did last night? Um, well, I don't, know, I don't know what night I'm even on right now. <laughs> but when I last slept, I had a couple of glasses of wine. And then um, I ended up booking randomly a holiday to Tenerife for next week. Ooh. Sure. I mean, why not? Why not? You're going to need it after this. I mean, <laughs> um, come on. Cancelled it, though. <laughs> I woke up at like 5am, clutching my pearls, like, I just booked a holiday to Tenerife. You know, it was one of those moments. Oh, was that one of your drunk spending things? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, and it was real clutching the pearls as well. So there we go. I'm, I'm here to share. That's, that's what it is. Also here to share, let's introduce you guys to our listeners if they are unaware of your work. Callum Swiggan, you've got a show here. Is that correct? Tell me uh, a little I, bit about yeah, yourself. Yeah, I do. So um, I, I started out with... Um, doing YouTube so I have an LGBT plus lifestyle channel I talk about sex education mental health all things like that and then I yeah I started doing a show here at FUBAR where I talk about all things sex and sexuality Um, and it's the it's the perfect place to do it as well because it's uncensored here and you can say whatever you like so the BBC would not let me say (laughs) (laughs) any of the things that I get to say here so and how's the response been like are you surprised by how popular it is that yeah, and I just love, like, every single week we have so many people writing in and they send in their sex confessions and things like that. And, yeah, people are just so supportive. And so I, I think there's a real space for talking openly and frankly about sex and sexuality. Yeah. And I think it's not being done enough. I no. think there's a lot of shame and stigma around that, which causes problems. It causes mm. teenagers to kind of grow up thinking that there's something wrong with sex and not taking care of their sexual health, not using protection. Yeah. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's an important thing to talk openly about sex. And I'm glad that people respond well to it. Yeah, I think we're still quite prudish about it. Yeah, absolutely. In an odd way. I oh, think yes. we are. And we find it very uncomfortable to talk about it. Yeah. So where do you turn to? I guess, like for you growing up, where could you turn to to get that kind of advice when you wouldn't want to go to your family, for instance? I mean, I feel like there wasn't really anywhere no, I could turn I to. Think... You know, I, I, I would literally turn to porn and things like that, mm. where you get the completely wrong end of the stick yeah. so That's much of the, the time. That's all the place I got my sex education from was porn. Porn. Which is that... awful! The whole recommended! No, but, it's, yeah. It, but, true, like... but yeah, where else do you... Yeah go because I suppose if you can't talk to anyone or you don't have those programs on the radio on TV it's all Mm -hmm. very soft I think I remember for me anyway growing up was it the love doctor and it was literally I'm old (laughs) and I'm from the Shire you know we had limited stuff I tell you back when TVs were black and white (laughs) (laughs) we invented the window Um, there was light Um, but that again wasn't it was just all about dating it was all softly softly there was nothing and I don't think I even remember really having a sex ed class or a lesson I don't oh my think God. we I, had classes I, but it was never they, they were LGBT. terrible yeah. Yeah. at my classes I just remember like we watched a lady give birth that for like an hour like a full video why of a lady would, giving why? birth and, and I'm then like, we both realised we were gay at the moment <laughs> 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 boom that's alright then never have to go through that but again why it's it's crazy How do, do you see it changing do what? you see us maybe is it a British thing do you think 
we're going to relax a little bit and have more programs like yours? I, I, I mean, I, I do think things are progressing in terms of education and things like that. Mm. So I think in schools now, teenagers are getting slightly better education. They're getting LGBT plus inclusive education as well, mm-hmm. which is oh, amazing. amazing. And I think time. and I think that me, kind of means we're ha- we're having a new generation of kids growing up, and that they are more open about sex. Mm. And I think with just like social media and things like that, people are talking a lot more about sex. So I hope there is more of a space for it. And I think going forward, more people will be talking about it. There will be more programs and things about it. So I think with time, maybe we won't be so prudish. Yes. Again, it takes time, doesn't it? Takes time. Takes time. No one likes change. No one likes change. So it's just like slowly but surely. Um, (laughs) Rolly, first of all, how do you guys uh, know each other? Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This is what 4.28 in the morning does to us. I'm ready. Do I need popcorn for this story? Yeah, we might need popcorn, you know, if I want to really tell the real story. (laughs) Yes, you do. So, I mean, it's a long story. We'll cut it short. We've got time. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) So we do. We basically met through YouTube and... um, we didn't really hit it off to start with. Oh, I, really? No, he was very rude to me. <laughs> I was very rude. rude. What happened? Tell <laughs> he, me, just, he, he, he was in my room screaming and shouting at VidCon, which is like a YouTube gathering okay. but in America. I was really tired. I wanted to go to bed. Oh. They were all in the room screaming and shouting. And I was like, I just want to go to sleep. Like, why are you here? I was the, the, the person he was staying with at, at VidCon in the hotel room. Yeah. I had just like made friends with and I was just like having time in my life. You bevies. We were playing a really loud drinking game and Roly right. just wanted to go to bed. And they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't leave. And then <laughs> and so, he's still here. I know, exactly. Still here. Yeah. Like not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were at another YouTube convention here in London, somewhere in the city. And then we saw him, me and my friend at the time, we saw him again. But you're like... And we were, and no, and I, I, we we said hello to him, and he just ignored us. I was I was going through a breakup. Oh. I was going. Th- I was literally sat with the guy I was dating at the time. Yeah. And we were having like a big fight about to end it, kind of thing. Oh wow. And then uh, along comes Roly. Hi, how are you doing? And I'm like, get the fuck away from me. I was just like in a bad, yeah, bad. No mood. one talk to me right now. And then about. Six months later, I want to say, he messaged me and just said, hi, how you doing? Um, I'm making a video and love to be part of it. And at first I thought he was trying to like trick me. I was like, what, what, <laughs> yeah. what's, he, what's he doing? What is this person? But yeah. we did, I was like, okay, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. Whether. We met up and then instantly it was like best friends overnight. It was yeah. instant. Yeah. And I think now we live together. We live and now together. We're like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so, just, so good. And, yeah. and, Again, I'm kind of thinking Roldy's the better person from that story. It's all I'm going to say. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's all I'm going to say. I am. I am. I'm <laughs> it's true. Um, it's true. It's true. It's true. Yes, he is. Um, and Roldy, tell me a little bit more about what you do. So I um, do a, I do a YouTube channel as well. I yep. um, mainly talk about piercings and body modification and like safely ways of doing it and like uh-huh. give information regarding, you know, best styles and all this crazy stuff. I also do LGBT things as well, but mainly modification. And how did you get into doing modification? Again, is it a form of being creative for you? I, I've, see, my when I grew up, all my family, modification was quite a big thing. Like, my sister had loads of piercings when she was younger. My like, parents had, like, tattoos and everything. So it was always wow. something that was kind of prevalent in my life. Yeah. Um, I didn't manage to do it until I was got a bit older because I ended up living with my grandparents and they were like, no, you cannot do it. Yes. So I was <laughs> like, for goodness sake. So um, when I was 18, I started, like, experimenting. I had, like, one or two things and then I just mm. became addicted and now I'm, like covered and really yeah and then i thought let's just do it on youtube as well so that is brilliant and it's crazy isn't it how youtube it's a great way obviously of getting your stories out there but how it's for for me i've been a presenter for years it's like creating your own work isn't it you're Mm -hmm. kind of finding your genre your your thing have you both found that with your with your channels 
Yeah, I, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think you can't in in this day and age, you can't sit around and wait no. for somebody to come to you and say, "Yeah, have a TV show, have a radio show, do do your It'd thing." Be wonderful if that's the case. But yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So I think kind of like seizing the seizing the reins and just mm-hmm. doing it yourself is a is a yeah. is a great thing. And I think there's so many. There's kind of a stigma about around being a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. I think um, people think YouTuber and they they think of your Zoellas and things like that, and they yeah. think it's for a very young audience. They think it's for kids, That's but actually yeah. there's there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of YouTubers all around the world making content around every subject area mm-hmm. you can imagine. And there's... There's literally YouTube channels, like, dedicated to weird toilets around the world. Yeah, anything. And, like, anything yeah, like, exists. Really? A- anything. How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah. I stumble across some weird things sometimes. Not my fault. <laughs> Not my fault. I can't yeah. help my sponsors. <laughs> but that's amazing. But for me, I found, like, because in society I'm told I can't be professional because I modified, like, you know, you're looked down upon as, mm. like, being either, like, a drug addict or something or like yeah. a scrounger but like for me I was like fine I'll do this and I'll make sure that I can show you that I can be successful and be modified and I'm not just you know gonna yeah. sleep all day yeah. and not have a job and stuff yeah. like and again it is like I say it's 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 creating your own work I think to get longevity in this industry and mm. and to in a way be your own boss because you are creating those jobs um it's it's how you kind of make the industry you break yeah. into the industry because it's such a odd old career path we've all chosen it really really is yeah. um, so both of you I'll start with you Callum what advice would you give to someone that's thinking that say they want to be a presenter and maybe start up a YouTube channel is it that easy just to get either a camera or your phone and- yeah I think I think one thing I always get people ask me is oh what equipment do I need what should, what should I go out and buy yeah do I need to buy all this stuff and, and no honestly like Everyone has a smartphone these days and that's Mm. all you need to get started. And I think just putting yourself out there and starting creating things is how you start doing it. And yeah, you know, in the future, if you're able to kind of build up some equipment and things like that, then that's going to improve the quality. But really just start creating and be yourself as well. I feel like Mm. even I did it to begin with on YouTube. I was looking at all of these other people on YouTube and I was like, okay, I need to do this, this, this and this. I need to be doing well. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm going to copy them. and, And that's the worst thing you can do, you know, just... Just be yourself, and 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 hopefully, pe- hopefully you're a nice person, and people like <laughs> like you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> awkward, awkward. Um, what advice would you give people that? Um, I think just be realistic of that fact that it is a lot harder now because YouTube is so huge or anything That's like that true. that it is to yeah. get out there. I think if you're going to do it as a business, um, eventually you do need to buy good equipment and everything. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to go against Don't what you just argue said. with no, me. Because, no, because <laughs> I, I think we have to remember is that like even a lot of small people now do have DSLR cameras and everything and a company's going to work with someone who wants to who has like a higher quality rather than smaller quality anyway okay. um, so I think oh, if you're doing yeah. it for fun that's perfectly fine and that's great and you do you but I think if you're going to make it a business you have to kind of be realistic and actually eventually you are going to have to upscale your stuff for yeah. brands yeah. and things and companies to want to work with you yeah it's so so true it's uh, yeah it, it's what you're putting out there basically mm-hmm. and it's how polished it can be yeah. um, let's talk about inspirational women oh um, <laughs> Callum, again, I'll start with you. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Are you going to ask me who my inspirational woman is? Woman or women? Yes. Um, well, uh, Shonda Rhimes is always my oh, go-to. Yeah. Incredible, incredible lady. And I just like, so she, she for, for anyone listening who doesn't know, she creates shows like Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, Grey's Anatomy. And she's kind of, she's, she's forged her own empire and she creates all of these incredible shows and mm. they're all unbelievably inclusive. I feel like 
anybody watching one of her shows can relate to it she includes she 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 shouts about women and she raises up women for a start but she also includes lgbt plus people she includes people with disabilities she you know she really goes that extra mile Mm. to make sure that everybody feels included so she's using her own success to raise up other people and i just amazing i'm I, i love her and i'm and i'm obsessed with her and i feel like as well like a lot of people, when I say Shonda Rhimes, people, some people say, you know, who's that? And I love, kind of love that her work speaks for itself. Mm. You know, um, a lot of people may watch and love her shows and they may not know who she is, yeah. but, that, but that doesn't matter because she's putting it out there. So she's like my number one. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with her. So, yeah. I think that's brilliant. I, I do. Um, Roly, what about you? I mean, mine might be a little bit of a, a not a cop out, but like my, so mine's actually my sister. I think it's okay. Yeah, that's lovely. It. Do um, it. She basically like, raised me from a child like from a child she's obviously older than me so for me it was she we were like in a council state we didn't have a great upbringing and she like really took the reins and like just gave me a life that i wouldn't have had if she wasn't there and then like we met when um we got a bit older she like tried hard she was working like three different jobs and doing university to make sure that she could help me through stuff and then she moved to london and got like a job as a teacher and now she's a deputy head teacher and she like fought for lgbt like lessons to be taught in her school and everything like it's been so great and i've just drawn so much inspiration from her that i feel like a better person because of her and i think yeah i think that's an amazing answer and again it shows you that it we can sometimes blame our past Mm -hmm. for our future for Mm. you know things that don't work for us but that just shows you no you can't yeah blame your past for what you want to create yeah i think that's so Yes. And she thought, yes. the thing is, she went against everything. Like, everyone was telling that she wouldn't be able to do it and everything. And she wouldn't be able to move to London. She wouldn't be able to do anything. And it was just like, basically, like, F you, I'm going to do what I yeah. want. And she's succeeded. Takes strength. That yeah. really does. It really does. Um, well, uh, we'll be back in a few minutes' time. We've got um, a um, an interview coming up with Dan Kaplan. Don't go anywhere. Fubar Radio, I'm Harriet Rose, joined by my good friend Dan Kaplan. What's up, Harriet? How you doing, babe? Yeah, I'm great. Long time no see, eh? Long time. <laughs> Long time. Um, so it's He For She Arts Week and we're, we're celebrating right now. Yeah. And as a man, mm-hmm. we've discussed before in the past in our interviews and stuff, how you can kind of be a man and in, in supportive of yeah, women. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the woman in your sort of that you can imagine being your like most inspirational woman whether it's like in the industry whether it's someone that's just made an impact on you i guess i'm choosing uh nina simone mainly because i was brought up on that and i actually just recently watched a documentary about her she's i mean she's she was just inspiring because you know she's living in a time where you know black women were the most downtrodden people and she was just Mad, you know, mad aggressive with, with kind of pushing herself forward, and and she, you know, she's she struggled with with a lot of you know prejudice and sexism, and she overcame it. And she was so passionate, wasn't she? Yeah. Like it was such a a fight for her all the yeah. way through her career That's to our, to get people to listen to her. And she's got one of the most iconic voices of the whole of our generation. It's, it's that mixture, of obviously, you know. Uh, Historically, at that point, you know, classical music was was mainly for white middle class, and she was, you know, she was working class black woman, and she was she was incredibly talented as a pianist. She wanted to go to um, conservatoire to study, but they wouldn't allow black women in. So like, and she, and so she started playing jazz, and it's like kind of the weird situations that she, but she made the best out of. Because she originally didn't actually want to sing, did she? She just no, wanted to play yeah, the piano, yeah. and they said you have to. When she yeah, was yeah. playing in a bar or something, they yeah. said you have to sing. And her voice is so different. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. 
it's phenomenal. When you get a voice like that, you can capture something. It's like the Amy Winehouse's Nina yeah, Simone. Yeah. You know, it's iconic yeah, to yeah. another level where you're like, you can't re- you can be a good singer, yeah, yeah. but recreating something like that, yeah, is... yeah, you can't, you can't. There's no point in trying to recreate perfection like that. But yeah, no, she's she's just she just struggled her whole life, but always kept moving forward. And she did a huge amount of, for black rights. In the sixties, yeah, she just she was just inspiring. Plus, she pulled out a gun on her A and R from the, at the record label, which is which is great. And I love when she's I think asked every art, about every it. Every artist wants to do that at some point. And uh, when she's asked about it, she's like, "Well, yes, of <laughs> course I did." And then she was like, "Didn't you?" The interview was like, "Did you pull out a knife?" And she goes, "Yes." No, no, it was a gun. <laughs> <laughs> was so no, 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 not a knife, no, a gun. Be yeah, serious. Yeah. Don't do half measures, Nina. I think that's a wonderful, inspirational woman, Dan Kaplan. Nina yeah. Simone, a fabulous lady and an amazing talent. Thank you so Thanks. much for joining us here on Food Bar Radio. No worries, Harriet Rose. Speak to you later. Ciao. <laughs> what the fuck was that? That was a brilliant, brilliant um, way to end the interview. That was uh, Dan Kaplan uh, talking to Harriet a little bit earlier on about his um, inspirational woman. This is Bar Radio. We're here for the 24-hour live marathon. If you'd like to support us, could you? Thank you. I'll doff my cap to you. Uh, this is the He For She campaign. All you need to do is text uh, UNWN15, followed by the amount you want to donate to 770. I've been saying that since 5pm and I still need to check. I'm saying it right. Um, if we have gone on a little bit too much and throwing a lot of letters, numbers, braille at you, then check the website londonartsweek.org. And remember, all money donated is going towards changing the reality for women and girls globally. We are going to listen to a little song uh, In Harm's Way by Amanda Palmer. Don't go anywhere. Absolutely amazing there. In Harm's Way uh, by Amanda Palmer. Um, now, we are going to listen um, to a, a pre-record of Andrea Palauro, um, film director, Italian film director, who um, sadly couldn't make it into the live studio. And we had a catch up a little bit before. Um, Callum and Rowley, uh, do you want to hear our chat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited. <laughs> Rowley's having a moment. Just <laughs> He's moved to tears. He really, really is. Well, look, don't go anywhere. We'll be back very shortly. Here's Andrea Palauro. Now, uh, in the studio, we've got Andrea Palauro. Is that correct? Did I get that right? That's correct. So thank you. I'm very happy to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. It really, really is. Um, and I'm learning Italian as we go on here. So this will be good. Now, um, there's so much about your career and you I want to talk about. Uh, the most important thing, first of all, uh, your film, Hannah, it's receiving such amazing reviews. I've got one here that says, a piercing emotional showcase for Charlotte Rampling. I mean, to have an actress of that esteem anyway and to get her performing like that. So let's talk about the film, first and foremost. Tell us about your film, Hannah. Well, it's, it's a film that uh, explores the boundaries between the identity of an individual and the identity of a couple and what happens when those boundaries get blurred, you know? And ultimately, it's a story that uh, explores the progressive loss of identity of, of a woman. And the screenplay was written for Charlotte Rampling since the beginning. So, you know, to have had the actual opportunity to create this character with her to collaborate in bringing it alive has been uh, one of the most meaningful experiences of my life. What was it like to work with her? 
she is uh, um i think for a director like you you i can't imagine having a more uh profound and uh, um meaningful experience because uh, you know she's the kind of actor that uh, digs and explores and uh, and uh, really is committed to reaching the truth of her character and she does it uh, with so much uh, courage and generosity and integrity uh, which are all things that I admire tremendously now you're uh, obviously a film director a screenwriter and you really do seem to capture people as in their their layers, their substance. Is that something you go out of your way to capture on film? Or is that just the the plays and the films you're interested in? Like, how does it work? Because you really get people. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm very interested in uh, exploring um, the internal world of, of characters. And I, I think that uh, cinema has... Uh, you know, the, the gives the opportunity to a spectator to uh, penetrate that that world and to capture, to understand uh, people's thoughts. You know, mm -hmm. characters' thoughts, and that is what uh, has always driven my interest in cinema. Uh, and I'm I'm very interested in characters that are often uh, emarginated or not understood by society, um, uh, or characters that are experiencing like a struggle with their own selves and their own sense of identity you know so because of my interests it, it comes natural to uh, to try to go as deep as possible into into the character the character internal world so what were your favorite films growing up what films inspired you well, uh, there is there is an endless list, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that uh, um, like the films by Michelangelo Antonioni, for example, you know, from La Ventura, La Notte, L'Eclisse, Blow Up, Red Desert, you know, those are really films that to this day are still inspiring me incredibly, you know, and in films that I keep thinking about, you know, mm. but then. Um, you know, Louis Buñuel's films, um, Lucrezia Martel, you know, the Argentinian director uh, that uh, made films like La Cienega, like um, The Headless Woman or The Holy Girl. Um, there is Carlos Regadas, a Mexican director. Uh, uh, th there are so, so many, but then there are the Dardenne brothers. There is uh, mm. Michael Haneke, you know. Um, it, it it's really uh it also depends on on the stage of my life uh usually I gravitate towards certain auteurs and certain filmmakers more than others but ultimately i i'm very inspired by by filmmakers that are able to develop a, a very specific cinematic language you know that uh, you know helps us uh, understand the world around them uh, around us through their eyes but also provides an opportunity to explore ourselves that's beautifully said and you um you said something there as well uh, films stay with you that's when you know you've got a groundbreaking film isn't it exactly mm. exactly and that is uh, what cinema has meant to me you know like i feel like uh, 
you know, it's thanks to cinema that uh, I I have challenged uh, myself and my understanding of of the world. You know, and mm. uh, and that's what uh, I want to. That that's the type of relationship uh, I, I aim to develop with my viewers, with my spectators. Well, let's talk about um, cinema made in Italy, and it's running until the eleventh of March. Tell us about about cinema made in Italy. Um, well, I'm very I'm very excited to be part of this uh, of this little festival here in London. Uh, London is is a city that uh, I feel a very special relationship to. So to have my film playing here is particularly meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, and then also to be uh, included in a group with uh, other filmmakers and other, um, yeah, like artists that I admire is uh, is always exciting and fun. Um, and we're speaking to you as part of our um, our fundraising broadcast with UN Women for the He for She campaign. Inspirational women. Who are your inspirational women? Um, and also maybe uh, females in, in cinema. Are there actresses that inspire you? Of course. Uh, well, um, it's, it's a very big question. It's a that huge has, question. Uh, a lot of answers. <laughs> um, but, you know, as a, I, I grew up in a, in a family um, where there were a, there were there are a lot of women, you know. And since I was a little kid, um, you know, I spent a lot of of time with my mother's family. Uh, my mother has uh, three sisters, and so my grandmother and my three aunts and my mother have been uh, incredible role models for me, you know. And they are uh, very different from each other and, but very powerful and, uh, strong and uh, beautiful women, you know, and I feel like, uh, I have, uh, I have, um, in growing up, uh, I have uh, taken, you know, traits uh, and parts of all their personalities. You know, I'm like, a like, I'm, I'm a mixture of, of, <laughs> of all of them in a way. Um, but that being said, um, I'm, I've, like I feel like uh, in my own cinema, you know, female characters play a major role, you mm -hmm. know. And in fact, I'm developing a trilogy right now that is uh, focused on female characters. You know, it's a trilogy that started with Hannah and it's continuing now with the second chapter. Um, but that being said, uh, talking about, uh, you know, female uh, artists that have been or actresses or, or filmmakers that have been incredibly inspiring for me is like Monica Vitti, for example, um, uh, Catherine Deneuve, Charlotte mm -hmm. Rampling, yeah. uh, you know, Liv Ullman. Um, yeah. These are all, uh, you know, women that, uh, you know, they penetrate your soul, you know, with their eyes, you know, their gaze. Uh, and they provide uh, such a, a complex emotional landscape to see yourself reflected in, mm. you know, and... Uh, I'm very, very grateful to to their to their complexities and their their beauty and their eloquence. You know. Yeah, I think again, beautifully <laughs> said. Well, look, thank you so so much uh, for talking to us. Uh, your film, Hannah, um, and I, I know as well that Charlotte Rampling has even won Best Actress Award at the Venice International Film Festival for that role. So this it's an incredible film. It really, really is. And you mentioned the trilogy there, so we look forward to when will the next kind of instalment be out next year? year yes, I hope uh, we'll be shooting it this summer. So hopefully in the next year, year and a half. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> and Cinema Made in Italy is running until the 11th of March at the 
Sydney Lumiere. So thank you so, so much for talking to us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.